It's music. It's an experience. It's rock. It's catch my soul. A total immersion. Working on a building. Working on a building. Starring Richie Havens. Catch my soul. Punch, stab, hit in the groin. Welcome to the Ways of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. Good. We're now back in the spirit of things. And we're also back to bring to you another in our ongoing series in this year of our lord 2012 2017 yeah god 2017 we're we're still in it um but uh but this movie um i've kind of gotten to the point where i've at first i was trying to avoid on um this site that i'm a member of letterboxd there there are one of the things i love about the site is that there are a lot of great movie lists these people put together lists Uh, sometimes they're lists that people have compiled from books or like encyclopedias so maybe you'll have for example you'll be able to see a list of all the films that roger ebert put on his great movies list or all the movies he hated um or um you know like all the movies on the best movies ever list on such and such a site or whatever it is but there's also this book that i had heard of called the psychotronic encyclopedia of film hmm. which is basically this uh, encyclopedia of cult films and little known obscurities and i went to it and i decided okay i'm gonna do the kind of thing where i'm gonna close my eyes and point my finger on something and that will be the movie for the month and this turned out to be the movie almost i mean i didn't quite do that but i almost print the legend print the legend yeah um and this movie and the movie turned out to be something which i'd never heard of called catch my soul Right, which I, I fir- when, when I first texted you about, you're like, that sounds like a Joe Roskeyism. Yep, and <laughs> so it was done, and we watched that film, and now we're gonna talk about it. Yes, and we are talk about how awesome it is. I don't know if I would use the word awesome, but it was certainly interesting. It was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know about fantastic. I, I I definitely think it is a fascinating cultural artifact from its time. Uh, some of it hasn't held up very well. Well, let's well, talk about what it is. Well, first. well, let me first also give a little background that um, the reason why you might not have heard of this movie is that technically speaking, this movie's been lost for a lot of years. It did get a theatrical release in 1974. Ah, you didn't so, tell me it had been lost. Well, for for a while, it had been like this had this wasn't on video. That's probably why I you know I sometimes have heard of movies like this, but. Uh, this, um, it, it, again, it did get a release, and it's not like it was out of nowhere, but, um, it was supposedly lost, and then it was rediscovered in 2003, um, at some university, and it was, it was found in layer screen, and it actually had a different title than what it was originally, uh, released as, which we could, we should talk about that as well, um, and... It, apparently, I didn't actually know this until just looking it up now. It, the, the the title that we saw it as it's it's called Catch My Soul on the DVD that or the Blu-ray it's been released as now, but it had the title of Santa Fe Satan. Yeah, that's the title that was on the credits of the of the D, of the DVD. Or in full, its full title, Jack Goods, <laughs> Santa Fe Satan. That's weird. 
Yeah, what the hell kind of title is that? That makes Lee Daniels the butler seem like normal. Yeah, but Catch My Soul is basically, you can sum it up really simply. It's a re- it's a reimagining of Othello in the desert of New Mexico where Othello and Desdemona are married and are the head of a desert church. Yeah, with that has a very hippie vibe to it. Oh yeah. The first half so hour hippie. The first half hour of this movie feels like it's going to be nothing but a hippie fest. But then you find out it's a musical. You know what the you know what the tagline <laughs> for this movie was? I thought this near the end. Come for the hippies, stay for the Othello. Yeah, basically. Or stay for the Shakespeare. I mean, but it is but it is Othello. All the lines, well basically most of the lines are taken from the play. A good lot of them. I mean, I'm sure that they condense things as you do in any adaptation, but they take the main meat of the story. And the story doesn't fully kick in, I didn't feel like. Again, it's been a little while since I've seen a version of Othello. I've seen Orson Welles' Othello. I've, I even saw like a, theat- a little off 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 broadway production so of far off broadway so far in, off broadway is in, in New jersey Bro- well so far if it was in brooklyn but uh i mean so i know this you know the story too i mean uh, you know iago decides to scheme and plot to poison uh othello's mind that his iago his doesn't like othello he pl- plots against him and makes him think his wife is unfaithful to him it's 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 the the way that a lot of Shakespeare stories are the ultimate story of blank. This is the ultimate story of jealousy. Yeah. Um, and here, they, it's what's weird about it is that it's it's a Shakespeare adaptation, but it's also a musical that is probably not. No, not probably. It's definitely riding off the coattails of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Which I haven't seen, but I. I've seen little bits of, and you get this, and you kind of get the point of that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, Jesus Christ, superstar. Yeah. I'm, I'm full of the, so it's a Christian musical because there are some songs that are very Christianized, but it's still also the story of Othello. And the first half hour almost feels like it's going to spill over into Zabriskie Point. Oh, yeah. Or, or one of those uh, B-movies, like uh, like The Trip or, uh, or something, where you have uh, just hippies galore. Uh, and I Because I, what happens is that Richie Havens is, it plays Othello. Right. And, and Richie it, Havens, for those of you who don't know, is a musician. And, was, I, and, and I, I was, almost wasn't sure going into this if you knew who he was. Because, and although he does pop, he, he pops up, his song Freedom uh, actually pops up briefly in Django. Yeah. Unchained. Um, but he is most well known for opening Woodstock. Yeah. He was the very first act uh, for the Woodstock Opening uh, it like concert. a badass. Coming out and playing, uh, well, his first song was uh, Johnny uh, Come, uh, it was some type of uh, folk song. And, you know, the, the song that he closed out his set with was Freedom, which uh, maybe I'll put a little bit of that under this. Uh, Fantastic performance. Oh, God, yes. Freedom, 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 
seen Woodstock. No, but, but I own the soundtrack album on vinyl. So you've heard the song. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Well, at some point you should check out the full movie and get the full experience, because the movie's a little different than just the soundtrack. But, but the point he making plays is, Othello. Yeah, and that, that surprised me, because I hadn't, I didn't think he was an actor. He performs most of the music in the soundtrack. He sells it pretty well. Yeah, not, not, yeah, he's, he's decent. He, I mean, is he... Like, oh my god, this is the best Othello you'll ever see in your life. No. But he he's able to sell the is dramatic Is he better than Laurence Olivier in Blackface? Well, I'm never going to see that movie, so fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's... Yeah. This he, really... The thing I love about this film is that it's a really good example of the desert film. It, it uses that, locations, and I don't mean, well. and I don't mean like a film like Lawrence of Arabia, which is all about the desert and where the desert takes up most of the space in the film. Uh, Catch My Soul has that, mm -hmm. but what I mean by desert film in this thing is like late '60s, early '70s, bunch of flower children say we're gonna make a film we're gonna go out wherever we're gonna add all our own talent we're gonna make this film ourselves we're gonna make it groovy which, which is which is funny because a couple of things about that um i looked up on imdb just now as you were talking and uh the jack good of the yeah. or other title jack goods santa fe satan um he was apparently some like british television producer who also, the other funny thing, this movie, you say that it's like these bunch of hippies got together decided to do a thing, but this isn't really like Easy Rider or something, where, you know, Dennis Hopper really was a crazy hippie guy who somehow got money to make this movie about hippie bikers and all that. This movie was directed by Patrick McGowan. Yes. Who... I, the prisoner himself. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the show. Co-star in The Phantom with Z Billy Zane. He was in that? He was in that so briefly. <laughs> just long enough to collect his paycheck. And the funny thing is, I just also looked it up. This is his only film. Oh, wow. He directed, he directed some TV. He directed some episodes of The Prisoner. He directed some episodes of Columbo. And I mean episodes of Columbo... From like the nineties, what? Which I didn't even think Columbo was out then. <laughs> I have never watched Columbo, so no. Well, I, I, that's my I, fault. Well, I know Columbo because of Peter Falk. Um, he he's also um, oh god, what was he? He's been in a number of movies. He was in Ice Station Zebra. He was in uh, Escape from Alcatraz. He was the warden in that. Oh, he was actually pretty good in that movie. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but he does. He was a voice in Treasure Planet. Don't. <laughs> oh, he played uh, the Phantom's dad in the Phantom. Yeah. Oh, he was in. Oh, he was in Braveheart. 
cool. Okay, cool. Um, Did he play the... some Scottish lord or I... uh, British jerk? Something like that. He was, uh, in the credits, he's listed as Longshanks King Edward I. Cool. All Wait, right. whoa! He played the king in that? I guess so. Whoa, that, I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he, was he the guy who had, like, the diseased face? No, he was the evil king. Oh, yes, yes, okay, you're right. It's been a long time since you've seen Braveheart. A little apparently. bit, yeah. I was getting confused with another royal figure in that. But, but you but know, I'm going is... back to films that are, like... Now, again, Zabriskie Point was a, a studio production, but it was the sort, same sort of ethos. We're going to capture the spirit of the moment. We're going to make a film that that appeals to the new generation. Zabriskie Point fails miserably. But then think about a film like El Topo, which is crazy acid, acid western out in the desert. You know, Jodorowsky goes out there, makes the film he wants, and that becomes a cult hit. Well, you could say that Antonioni made the film he wanted was a brisky point. It just didn't work out. It just out. wasn't any good. No, this one... Except uh, for who, the end. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's some good stuff in the brisky point. But the point, we're getting off track. I think that... The, what's funny is that this movie comes oh, out wait. in 1974. And we we both remarked on this when we were watching it that a title card comes up early in the movie saying Santa Fe, 1967. And you made the point of why bother saying what year it's set in? Yeah. We know it's probably 1967. The clothing and the people say all you need to know about where and when these people are at. This movie feels Even like... Even for 1974, this is, clear, this is clearly about a time and a place, which which is readily obvious. This movie feels like, like in the first half hour is when I was kind of enjoying it as something that frankly i thought was almost i'm not gonna say bad but felt a little bit like a mess because it felt like they were trying to do all these things kind of put pushed together yeah where they were kind of establishing some of the othello bonafides um but then it was also you had these christian rock songs but they were almost i can't believe i'm saying this they were good christian rock songs oh i i know exactly what you mean yeah because sometimes christian rock no not sometimes Christian rock that you hear from the past, oh, 30, 40 years is terrible. Mm. But um, even Creed, I'm sorry, Creed fans. Um, but but this, it almost just felt like, oh, we just did this music and happened to tack on these Christian lyrics onto it. Well, it was, I, I didn't feel that, but it had a sort of folk, it had a sort of folk element. It had a it. good folk I, element. And, you know, Richie Hay. Rich, he he wrote yeah. some of the lyrics and music as well, and you know I, I love Richie Haven's stuff, so that is something that sticks out. He didn't write all the music and lyrics here. I mean, there are one song is called uh, is there a song called "We Built a House"? Yeah, or something. A lot like? of this was written by his co-star, uh, the man who played uh, Cassio. Oh, yeah. the the guy who at first we thought looked like Jim Morrison he was, was like a potato a dumpy, face. He was like a dumpy Jim Morrison. Yeah, his name is Tony Joe White. Yeah. It occurred to me about ten minutes in who he actually reminded me of. What? Which was the um the Elvis impersonator Drexel the Dream in the identical. Yeah. 
that's a that's a really deep reference. Oh, it's not, I don't know about but, so uh, deep. If you if up, you love bad movies, check. You've probably seen the look identical. up the identical. You'll you'll find out what we're talking you, you, about. You you'll but have a laugh. It's a little. This film, though, it works. No, it does. It because just for they me, it took. A... They they bring in so many things. It, ostensibly, it seems like a musical. It almost seems like Jesus Christ Superstar when you start when you start uh, yeah. watching it. You know, and it has that sort of touch. Like there are all these people at the river. This could be like Godspell right now. Yeah, but it come it. They start playing this music, which is pretty good music. I'll have to say. Uh oh, oh I I I don't remember a ton of it but it's it's still it's still good. Yeah. Uh they start they selectively incorporate the Shakespeare, the lines of Shakespeare's dialogue into it. Yes. Well enough to tell the story uh without just inundating you with think, all this old well, fashioned language well, but think, still authentic. I think that my problem though with the movie is that for the first half hour maybe it's because it's been a little while since I've seen Othello and I oh in the first act of that is you know they're establishing the characters and it's also odd that it's because in Othello that was more of like a military type story, not oh. military type, but you had those characters who, well the, the characters were soldiers. Yeah, there were soldiers, and here it, it's in a way a, a tiny bit of sub, sub, subversive, you could say that the fact that instead of soldiers, they're building churches and being you know preaching and doing that type of stuff that sort of heightens the drama it's not it's not about it's not a normal story of love like like people um, who live in, in in venice just get or yeah or or but, or, or, or renaissance but, italy but, falling in love but it's also the story of like of people who live in this re- religious community who are caught up in these ideas of jealousy and unfaithfulness sure and it just makes, and the landscape is not stark. What is it? it it's very. I I just love the location. There's, there's where a it's poetry filmed. to it. Yeah, and and the way the film progresses, people uh, talk. People talk very softly sometimes in these big yeah. spaces, and they have these very isolated places. But they, it almost has to me. It felt uh, kind of hypnotic. Well, I think my, well, the thing is that first the first half hour or so where you have all of these people and it feels like this big circus atmosphere and Iago gets uh, Cassio drunk and uh, he's surrounded by all these other hippies and they're singing songs around him and he's 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 totally adrift in this like you know, they they're not doing drugs but it almost feels like a drug sequence. And then, but it, but then it's like, then the movie actually feels like it starts mm-hmm. when the other characters go away from that, and then you're just focusing on Othello, Iago, Desdemona, and Cassio. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you don't, you feel that way, but that's when I felt like the movie finally got Ye- some focus. Yeah, the pace really picks up once that the, the, that moment. Yeah, happens. the 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 pace changes because at first I thought that was going to be what the whole movie was. This giant circus-like atmosphere which can be fine like uh something like the 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 who's tommy that movie was very that felt like a little bit of the energy of the first half hour Mm -hmm. like i almost expected the acid queen to show up (laughs) in like the first half hour of this movie um and also the pacing wise too you have this sequence where again it feels like you're in an audience at a doors concert and then it will cut to richie havens and uh 
Um, oh god, the actress. Uh, her name is season. Oh, season Hubley. She's a pretty well-known actress too. She plays Desdemona. You'll just suddenly cut to seeing them quietly in a room talking to each other. Yeah, and and, and then it'll suddenly cut back to oh, lots of revelry and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's this very sort of placid attitude, uh, this placid atmosphere where, pe- where everything is. People aren't doing a lot. Yeah. They're doing very minor things around these buildings, like building their church or painting something. Yeah. Uh, but there's all this drama going on around them that's slowly building. Well, that well, that's the like two thirds of the movie are pretty well done, interesting. Um, even though there are a couple of moments where we, I don't know, we were kind of making a couple of jokes because there's a part where Iago, which I guess maybe this is from the play too. I was trying to remember where. Iago is goading uh, Othello on all over a handkerchief. Yes. In the... And he keeps repeating the word handkerchief over and over again to the point where we thought he might be traumatized. Handkerchief! 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 Yeah. Um, we, should but no, I... the, we should have opened the episode with that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree that Richie Havens does a... He, you know, I would say he does a very good job. One, one criticism I would have... I never really felt much of a connection between him and Season Hubley. Like, she might have been okay, but I never really believed any kind of connection between the two of them. So much of the so much of the film is both of those characters not talking to each other, but talking to other people about each other. Yes. And those were the... And I, I have not read Othello. I haven't seen a film version of it, but... But you, you, you all... It's one of those things that you you almost know the story without having seen it. Almost. But the... Is this your first Othello adaptation? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> uh, huh. Okay. So, oh, I wasn't acquainted with the nuances of the play, but it's, the, it's Othello talking to Iago about Desdemona, and Iago just pumping him full of suspicion. Yes. And it's Desdemona talking to uh, Iago's wife, whose name escapes me right now. <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, talking to him about why is Othello acting Emilia. so weird. Right. And she's talking to other people and rarely do and they have a few scenes together, but it's it's this this very sort of formal talk with each other. They they talk to each other as if they're uh as if they're these sort of like lords and ladies. They like I mean as if like they're they don't talk to each other in this sort of smiling, loving, we're kissing each other yeah. all the time sort of way. So, yeah, you're, you're right that it's sort of this thing where they don't seem to have chemistry with each other. But it feels okay given the plot. It, it kind of fits. It, it could it could have fit if I felt a little bit more of their connection earlier in the film. But, of course, that's also when... The movie is going kind of nuts. Yeah, uh, I you you sort of see them. You see them holding hands and they they pledge their vows to each yeah. other. But I mean, aside from that, they're never embracing or they're never really close to each Just other. Just a couple of moments of them being a little bit closer um, might have helped me a little bit more later on when things do get more dramatic. For those of you who know how Othello ends, then you know where this train is going. Um, also, I don't know, it, it, it's also a strange thing because of how you have Othello, but then they're also putting in these Christian thematic elements, too, 
Which, I, I feel a little torn, because on the one hand, you could say that the story of Othello works as a kind of good Christian moral parable story, because it's dealing with uh, the, 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 jealousy peril, the, yeah, and the perils of jealousy and forgiveness. And, and the lack of forgiveness. You know, and, and uh, you know wh- whether you covet thy neighbor's wife or covet your own wife or whatever that is. Uh, right. you know, are you going to sin or, or think that someone else is sinning uh it, it that 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 could be fine and iago but, in this is clear like says basically in the introduction that he is playing the devil yeah he, there's no salty there uh, there are even a couple points where i wondered like is there going to be a point where richie havens wakes up surrounded by iago's people and says this is no dream this is really happening yeah <laughs> again talking about 60s flavor um but <laughs> Um, but I, but I wasn't sure because there are certain times, none of you knows this, where all of a sudden characters won't be talking in that Shakespearean dialogue. They'll be just talking as they would in 1967. They'll be speaking in their sort of, in their Texan accent. <laughs> yeah. And, it and, felt saying, like, and adding words that are not Shakespearean. No, and, and they're talking about Jesus and things like that. I think that works pretty well because you and can't expect Shakespearean. It was a little di- jarring. You can't expect Shakespearean dialogue to sit well inside that American Southwest setting with characters who aren't classically trained actors. Maybe. So I think it's like they're kind of trying on this Shakespearean shirt, but they're stretching it out in little <laughs> bits, and they're just you know, uh, kind of tying things <laughs> up, tightening it to to fit their needs. Hmm. You, you have <laughs> no I, I i'm just trying to picture you, the metaphor i'm just picturing like they're putting on a shakespearean uh tunic a shakespearean and they have tunic. like christian st- sweat stains under their arms or something yeah i it's the, the we're talking about an adaptation that dips a little bit more into the into the written dialogue yeah that, and i and to i'm kind of torn on it because it worked for me no, I, no, no, I it, it, no, it ultimately, no, it ultimately did. I'm just, I don't know, because, you know, I'm a, I am part of what I do. I'm, I'm going to criticize certain things and well, yeah, that, go after them. Sense. I guess I just wasn't as blown away by it as you were. Well, that's all. but, and the other thing is to me, it's, I had this feeling, well, why can't you just do a straight adaptation of it instead of parroting a lot of the lines from it i mean you could have told an othello like story in this setting without having to say everything that you know othello said in the play or better than that do an othello musical where you're not singing songs about jesus and well i think the setting is is one of the strong points no no, 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 the setting is i'm just wondering and i it's it's again i i'm doing a on the one hand on the other hand thing because on the one hand I do like the songs as they are, yeah. on, on the whole. I mean, maybe one or two songs are a little slow or too folky for me. But, but for the most part, and there's even a couple of songs. At one point, there's like a, a church is burning down, and Richie Havens is doing this really ferocious song, singing at it. That, I really, that was probably one of my favorite moments in the movie. But on the other hand, does that tie into what Othello is? What does the does that sort of do those Christian themes enhance or complement the story of Othello, or complement them, or just have anything to do with them? Like, 
Maybe they do, and maybe I maybe watching it again, I would find more connections. And I See, think maybe now, the first time right. I was just more, I was more engaged with how unusual an experience this is. See, now I'm starting to think a lot more about how they could have changed things to make a more interesting adaptation, because because a couple of the songs again, there's just a song about we're building this thing and blah blah, blah and right. The thing I'm thinking of is. You could tell an Othello-like story and adapt it. So one of the things I was thinking of, well, why do we have to call the characters Othello and Desdemona? Yeah. And why do we have to call them Iago and Cassio? It's like, you could have changed their names and the substance of the story would have been the same. You wouldn't be able to use that Shakespearean dialogue because, well, okay. But you can just change it into something that's a little more contemporary. And I think and you'd probably get a story with about the same amount of impact. I mean, there isn't a ton of speaking in this film compared to like there are a lot of moments this feels like a very quiet film even though there are even though it does have scenes of shakespearean dialogue and characters emoting in that way you are right there are moments that feel quieter than you know when i watch orson welles shakespeare movies which i love when people are outraged they're outraged within this giant landscape that kind of swallows them up it feels so their their anger doesn't feel so contained within like a small space i mean when it's out there in the world it feels very small yeah no no that that, there there is that too for sure um yeah so i i don't know i i'd have to think about it a little bit more if it i guess it may be a point to to what you took to to piggyback on what you're just saying though imagine if you could have had a movie which took the themes of Othello and even the full story and even, but then transplanted that into this story of Christian hippiedom and, and all yeah, that. Which is why I think it works. It, it works. Just, it's, 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 it's experimental. So you're, you're kind yeah, of thrown it's, off. It's a really, it's a very 70s It's a movie. very pro- promising experiment. Yeah. So, it, so that's, I think that's why I, look at this film as as such a success hmm. i because no ultimately even it though is, this film has good. a lot of flaws i still think it works on its even a little bit even it, it still works really well yeah i even more than on a conceptual level because when richie havens is there acting and you know uh, he's it and having dialogue with all these different people mm-hmm. i mean he may not be a great actor, but still, I believe him when he's talking to Iago at any point in the film. Yes. And when Cassio is all depressed about things and trying to get his job back, and he's talking to Desdemona, I, 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 I believe those people as they're just yeah. trying to talk. Yeah, it is an interesting, and again, talking about also how it's transplanting the setting as well. I mean, we talked about that, but... Yeah, there are a couple of shots here where I, I, I kind of made a quip at one point. The special guest director, Terrence Malick. Yeah. T- it's it's amazing that... I'm not going to say that this is anywhere in the same league as what I'm about to compare it to, but it's just something that suddenly jumped into my mind. Uh, the way that uh, Charles Lawton, his only film as director, was Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Which is just an exquisite, beautiful masterpiece of a film. Um, if you have not seen Night of the Hunter, that, that's, that, put that on your list. I've seen it. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm talking to the audience. Um, (laughs) you're not the only one here. That's fine. Um, (laughs) but, um, 
but no, but the, it's like a director with only one film, and they want to, they're going to do all the stuff that they've wanted to try to do as a director and put it into their one movie. Huh. Um, and maybe that might explain some things. Maybe this was Patrick McGowan thinking, well, I mean, I've directed some episodes of The Prisoner, but that's about it. Maybe I'll never get to direct again. Let's go out in the desert and make this hippie Othello musical. Why not? And as an experimental film, I, it works so much better than a lot of it, other fil- similar films at the time. Like we were, we 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 were talking about like oh what other what other films uh, could possibly be going on over the horizon? And you know we talked yeah. mentioned Zabriskie Point obviously, which is kind of dismal. You, we mentioned Zabriskie Point. We mentioned El Topo. Uh, we could mention maybe there could be like a spaghetti western happening, like some of the little and, you know, and, ha- ha- houses reminded me of like little the little pueblos and uh, yeah those things and uh, Billy Jack, <laughs> which was this kind of well intentioned film made by uh, <laughs> Billy Jack made by uh, <laughs> he was. I don't know what the hell that guy was, Tom Laughlin. Like he, he, I mean, he, he directed a lot of Billy Jack movies. Yeah, there he are made lots Billy. Of sequels he made to Billy, Billy Jack. Jack goes to Washington, and you know, which I'm never gonna see because I hear it's like three hours long. Oh, and it doesn't even have him fighting. It's him like actually like in front of Congress. Like, but I mean, think about the intention of that film. We're gonna make a film about, that talks about violence and about living a sort of peaceful life. And the difficulties of that. And it just fails because none of the characters resonate. They don't seem like real people. It's more about attitudes and about a it's more about him. View. And ironically, a movie that preaches to be anti-violence, the reason to watch it is to see Tom Laughlin kick people's asses. Right. Because th- those are the most memorable parts of the movie. And, you know, so many people die in that film. And it's, and it's kind of bleak. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you think about this film, you think about this, it's like, it's going to be Shakespeare in the desert. It's going to be in in it. It's going to be about this church congregation, even though the congregation doesn't really show up. Extras are expensive. Uh, But, and this one works so much better. Yeah. Basically because I just think, I mean, Shakespeare is, (laughs) because the story is great because you had a director who knew what he was doing and you had people who, while they weren't the greatest actors, they worked well together and could do a good enough job that they were all on the same level. I, I think, well, well, especially... And it had the soundtrack by Richie Havens and and uh, his co-stars. Yeah. there's Yeah, there's some unusual things in this movie. Also, early on, too, isn't there, like, narration? Yes. A semi like, a sort of sung narration by Iago. Yes, yeah. Yeah. He kind of is, like, we have the most direct access to his thoughts, so I guess he is our main character. He's our anti-hero. Yeah. Well, or the sort of, like, villain being the protagonist. Exactly. So, and and he has the, the brilliant line right there in the first five minutes of the film, we're going to mm-hmm. hold the black mass on top, on, on, right on his black ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, you're just remind. I just suddenly flashed to, um, I think the very first version of Othello I saw was, um, when I was in high school, there was a movie that got a pretty decent release. I don't know if it was released like a major blockbuster, but I remember it was released in a couple of thousand theaters. This movie that was just called Oh. Oh, I've heard of that. And it was Othello set in a high school. And it's like, instead of, uh, like, Othello and Iago and... 
they're they, they're basketball players, right? And it's basically Iago. Is, it's that same relationship drama. Yeah, um, but it but it's set among set. teenagers. It's not with Shakespearean dialogue, um, but that actually worked really well. Right, and that's what this could have been. They just adhered a little bit more closely to the Shakespeare, and, that, and that's okay. I think that part of it, what helped too, is that mo- more so with Richie Havens and the actor playing Iago. I don't know so much with Season Hubley. Maybe she was just underplaying it a little too much for me in general. Um, but they were giving it. They were giving very theatrical performances if you will like i could have seen them what's giving... his name who plays iago really gets tommy to... J. jones or no, that's not no that's not him he plays casio i believe no no the casio keyboard uh uh t- tony joe white that was the actor i gotta remember he plays iago um let me just check maybe no 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 um yeah because i thought he was some i he was casio i i was just jumping to the wrong the wrong thing for a second um hold on uh no 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 cassio is tony joe white lance legault yeah who's like he's basically the bearded guy um he gets to jump all over and say some of the best lines he does a lot of the singing it's all you could almost say it's his movie almost yeah um yeah he he, uh yeah he wasn't in i'm I'm looking at his credits he wasn't in too much stuff and you could have Catch My Soul is a really good title, but I feel like that or well, either you title could have works. done that. You could have done that adaptation called it Santa Fe Satan, and it probably wouldn't um, say. I think maybe the idea was that Catch My Soul, it it it, it sounds like it could mean some other things. Where Santa Fe Satan sounded more like a, uh, it, it it that sounds like like some. Uh, bluegrass musician or something <laughs> i'm santa face satan i'm gonna play this song for you. <laughs> yeah basically oh uh, no so i would say ultimately no i i i do i do appreciate and like this movie i just if it had a little more focus if it been just if it i don't know if it it's like this was an experiment that turned out really well no, no, it, and then, it turned out better than it had any right to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the question is, how do you take that further? Yeah. And I don't know if anybody in film land has answered that question. No. Well, well, to, to be fair, I don't think enough people have really seen it to even say that. This is un- unlike some of the other movies we talked about here in the series. I mean, some of the movies that we've seen, we've seen movies with Betty Davis and Susan Hayward and... A Takashi Miike movie. These are movies that people have seen. This movie has been more or less unseen for the better part of uh, 40 years. Huh. And only now uh, people who are have kind of interest in uh, more obscure films. And again, Richie Havens, he was known as a folk singer, but he wasn't a big star. He, he never... When you look at like the, the Woodstock list... The Who, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, and then Richie Haven's kind of like way down the list. He's still awesome, yeah. But it's just because you have so many people in that group of of mega talents, right? So even when he try, takes his turn as act, turn acting, it's not like there's a huge draw. Yeah, see Richie Haven's act. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, okay. 
I, I like to think about this in terms of well, think about other Shakespeare adaptations. Oh sure. This well, is I, a I much more this is a much more interesting, much more successful adaptation than I would say Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Well, yeah. I mean, well, Romeo plus Juliet. Let's make uh, that because clear. the way I th- see it is well, how does that drama work? How does that Shakespearean drama work in its setting? This one uh, works very well and works very subtly. I might also, it, the, it could uh, but, also be a matter of taste too, because I, I might just kind of like some of this late sixties hippie music flavor too, a little better than that abrasive Boz Lerman nineties approach. Yeah. And where we have where, the cardigans and all, well, I, I kind of like the cardigans. <laughs> well, I'm not saying the song is bad. It's just when they well, stick it all in, of a when sudden, they shoehorn it well, into the, all of a sudden Paul Sorvino shows up doing opera. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's so much shoehorned into Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> that the, the, call that shoehorned. The entire <laughs> story is shoehorned into '90s Miami. Yeah, and and it's like, how do we make this thing? They talk about swords all the time. Anything, oh, we'll call the guns swords. Almost anything interesting in Romeo plus Juliet has nothing to do with Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I would probably got by the soundtrack. I would never watch the movie again. But then this is kind of this is the this catch my soul is probably the least flashy, least attractive version of Shakespeare. So it's not going to get. Eh, much. I don't know. So it's that. not. I mean, cinematically, it looks great. But when you talk yeah, about here's the story enough. of Othello set in the desert with with like three people on screen at once, that's not going to get a lot of attention. I'm sure if I looked at film history, I, I could find some examples to counteract you. I'm not going to do it now, but but again, no. It, this is this is certainly one of the most unique Shakespeare adaptations that you could see in your life. Right. And if you love Shakespeare, then you probably owe it to yourself to watch this movie. Um, whether or not you find it to be one of the best, who knows? I mean, it's hard to top Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of one of the the champions of Shakespeare movies for me. Um, but, uh, so let me ask you, yeah. Catch my soul better or worse than Mel Gibson's Hamlet. I actually have not seen Mel Gibson's Hamlet. Oh, well, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you. I, you know, I, I, somehow that one passed you by. I've seen, that's this, that's the Franco Zeffirelli one. Yeah. I have not, I've seen his Romeo and Juliet. I've not oh, seen sure. his Hamlet. I have not seen enough Hamlet movies, I guess. I, I guess I got my fill with The Lion King. Hey, talk about talk Shakespeare. Talk about adaptations, and... yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. I think I've said all I All right. To say. So if you want to check this out, this is now on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, I mean, I don't know if you can get for too cheap. It is the cost of what a DVD and Blu-ray are. Um, and I would say check it out if you have any thoughts about it. Um, you can, you know, email us as we like to get emails at wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, you could tell us if you agree with the line in the movie where at one point Iago tells off a girl, woman saying, woman, that hat ain't Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote that line down in my notes. And I Good just line. looked at it. Um, and so next time, uh, we'll have another movie in our series that, uh, we hope to, uh, you know, we're, we're on a bit, we're on a, our, this whole series is about discovery. Yeah. We're, we're like the star Trek of, of movie watchers this year. You know, we're, we're, 
to boldly go where no movie watchers have gone before. Agreed. Except for those people who have seen the movies. Agreed. <laughs> so, uh, so join us next time, if you will. Uh, we'll be back, uh, hopefully sooner than last time than we were away. Um, well, um, we don't really have keep a as usual schedule as maybe some other shows do, but we try to make up for it in quality. Uh, right. Is that a good way to, to go about trying to make excuses? So, for The Wages <laughs> of Cinema, I'm Andrew. And I am Jack. And The Wages of Cinema is death. Good night. Good night, and also Satan. Hail Satan! Catch My Soul, a unique motion picture experience. Run, shake a life, shake it out of me. Catch my soul. It's today. Drink the wine with Jesus, his fancy. Mark, 